welcome everyone. This is Glenda Dawson and this is Glenda's Dragon's Den. Um, LD today had a mission. Um, yes, I know. I keep sending him on missions. You know, maybe I just like to every once in a while get a break too, guys. All right. So I know I'm going to get all the emails. That's okay. Um, so tonight I just want to introduce a a uh, great person that I have known on Facebook for a long time. And um, I have been following her for a long time. And um, by her posting and what she says and what she writes and all that. Um, but you know what? I'm going to let her, you meet her directly. So Amethyst Rain, welcome. Oh, Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, thank you for coming on. It, it's an honor for me to have you here. It really is. Um, so tell our audience about yourself. Well, oh gosh, I, I used to be a homeschooling mother of seven for like 30 some years. And when I finally got to the end of that phase of life, I... I was getting dressed one morning on January 2010. I was married to the Iowa farmer at this time, but we were living in Nebraska. And I'm putting one foot in my jeans. And when I did, that little voice in my head said, write a book. And I'm like, okay. No idea how I was going to write a book. I didn't know what I was going to write a book about. But I had been working with tarot. And I had been working with tarot and connecting it to like missing crime cases because I'm a, I love criminology and I'm into missing person cases and unsolved mysteries and all of that. So I was putting the two together and that's what I used to combine and write my first book, which is Tarot, A Witch's Journey. And uh... now <laughs> I know many before you continue, I know many have have this question, but they're not going to ask. Where were you living? <laughs> I was living in Fremont, Nebraska, and I was married to my, just a minute, one, two. I was married to my fourth husband, and he was an Iowa farmer who had gotten transplanted into Nebraska because he had fallen in love with some online a person and moved to Nebraska and then uh, didn't work out. I believe she passed away. She was ill. And then we met. And so then we got married. And that's who I was with at the time. So so we were kind okay. of, uh, we would go back and forth sometimes to Iowa, you know, with the kids to visit family and whatever. But that's just where I was at the time of that morning when that little voice in my head said, write a book. So life took a whole and, different turn from that time. Tarot. Now, I know that those states are not really that open. So that was probably very interesting living there. Um, it was. And not only was it interesting because everyone is so narrow-minded, they're very conservative, right. very conservative. And I'm not. And so I had this big old white 89 Suburban and on the back, I started collecting pagan stickers like um, 
all kinds of pagan stickers. Some were humorous, some were spiritual. And I started putting them on the back of my car and I started drawing attention to myself. <laughs> some of it was good attention. Some of it was not good, good attention. And, um, and, but it was interesting because I, I decided to be just very open about it, no matter where I was or who I was connecting with at the time. My then husband's family had no idea. Um, he's my then husband for a reason. So we had been married for a while and my house was like, I'd lived in this house for like over 25 years before I ever knew this man. My house was full of well, it looked like Halloween, 365 days out of the year. I so see his, wrong with his, that. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think so. Okay. so. His parents were coming to visit, and uh -huh. he looked around the house, and he said, can you pack some of this stuff away? And I said, wait a minute. This is my house. This stuff has been here way before you got here. And I said, no. So when they arrived, it was their first hint at who I really was. And I had this huge, big kitchen table. And on one side was bookshelves. And they were just loaded with bookshelves on which wrapped. And I had one of my sister-in-laws sitting there facing the bookshelves. And she was eating. And she kept eating slower and slower as she started reading the titles on the books. So by the time that they left and they left my home, I remember my, my mother-in-law had looked at the uh, table, the um, a living room table that the TV was on with a lot of other candles and crystals and uh, statues and paraphernalia. And he, and she turned to her son and, and my husband, and she said, that looks very exotic. And I said, well, it is, <laughs> but, but that was, that was their introduction to me. They never liked me, never okay. liked me. I, I just didn't fit into that, to that, oh, you know, the Iowa, the, the, the northern upper Midwest and the baseball games and the football games and just the very, very conservative in the church on Sundays and just that very Norman Rockwell life. And I didn't, I didn't fit into it. So that's why I said I had to ask that question because I know, <laughs> I know there's many out there going wait, where did she say she lived? Okay. <laughs> yes, Fremont, Nebraska. Uh, we drew so much attention to ourselves. Let me see, we split up about, uh, uh, about 2013 or so, I had split up and uh, we had divorced. And, um, and that was at a time when there was like quite a few programs on TV relating to witches. There were like like your fictional witches and uh -huh. um, all that kind of thing. And so we were contacted by a couple of different production companies in Hollywood. And by the time 2013 rolled around, I wound up signing um, a closure that, that, that wasn't a contract yet, but it was where you are like tied to this production company. Right. And so in early 2014, spring of 2014, we went over the contracts and all in all, it turned out that myself and my daughter spent the summer of 2014 taping um, a pilot for a reality docu-series 
based on witchcraft and living in the conservative Midwest with, and I, I'm going to say the name of the company. It's so long ago. If they sue me, I'm sorry. Think Factory Media. Okay. And, uh, and we loved our showrunner was Tim Laurie. And um, he's done many things that are on TV. Our pilot didn't make it. He called me in October and um, of that year. And we had already had a date for the show to uh, to premiere. Mm-hmm. And it was going to follow the Witches of East End on Sunday night at 10 p.m. But okay. do you remember how the Witches of East End were canceled? Yeah. They were dropped. They were dropped. And when they dropped them, um, our pilot didn't come on either. Mm. So, but that was close. It was fun. I will never regret it. We met some of the nicest people, the nicest people. They are, it's a job. When those people work on there, the little field producer and her husband, who was a cameraman, they weren't married at the time though, but, and, um, and we're still friends with some of those people. And it's like, it's a nine to nine, 12 hour job. They work very hard. It's, it's like, it's not glamorous. It's also reality TV is not spontaneous. Everything is planned beforehand. Everything is planned beforehand to where the scene's going to be filled, to basically what it's going to be about, to what you're going to wear. Nothing that you see in a reality TV show is spontaneous. As one of the directors said, we don't just follow you around day after day after day waiting for something to happen. So it was a learning experience, but it was it was exciting. It was fun. And I'm I'm glad that we did it. Good, good. And you know, um, I know that a lot of people who are pagan or witches or anything that's out of what they consider the norm, um, kind of have to pretend, you know, if they don't have that courage to be who they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was wondering if you had to hide it from your hubby at that time or. Yeah, I I never hit it. And you know what? The funny thing is about some men, if you tell them how you feel about like spiritual things, for instance, before you get married and you tell them where you stand, they still think that after you get married, they can change you. They still think, well, she thinks that now, but we'll, we'll straighten that out, you know, after we get married. That's what happens. happens. Doesn't work. (laughs) <laughs> they don't listen. <laughs> no, and and the thing is, is that you're just showing your true self. You're being yeah. completely open, and you know that happens even with women. They love they they hear they see how the person is, the man is, <laughs> but they're like, oh, I could change him. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, it works both ways. Yes, it does. Yeah. And it doesn't work. It goes both ways like that, but it doesn't yeah. work either way. Uh-uh. No. No, yeah, yeah, the person needs to want to change, whether it's spirituality, whether it's religion, whether it's how they treat people or whatever, they have to be mm-hmm. willing to change. So, mm-hmm. so <laughs> that is an interesting story, I have to admit. So you... How did that, did the family have anything to do with your uh, marriage demise? Did my family. Or his family, I should say. His family. Everything. Everything. 
the very first time, oh my gosh, I can't, can I talk about this? I think I can talk about this. I'm not naming names. <laughs> the very first time I met the woman that was going to be my mother-in-law, we had gone back to Iowa and I had six children. I mean, I know that's like, that's a daunting thing. It's, it's like a big deal. Yeah. But the kids were running around in the in the place where we were at, the empty farm home. I think that it had been his or a brother's or something. I don't remember. But anyway, she drove in and he went out and I went out and she was sitting in the car with the window probably partway up and he was introducing us. And so I put my hands on my knees and I bent over because I'm getting to ready to say, well, it's nice to meet you too, Mrs. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And so she introduces me. She stays looking straight ahead. She does not look at me or acknowledge me. And she says, uh, she said her son's name. So, so you give me the shivers. And she ignored me for the next five, six years. They have this kind of an Amish kind of shunning thing that they do. Uh-huh. And, and it's really weird because you can be like in the house. We would go back on occasion if I had to do it over again. I never would have went back. I would have said this you you keep Iowa to yourself when we did get divorced I said do yourself a favor if you meet someone you like do not take them home to meet your family told him that yeah so eventually it just it just got so it got too toxic got too toxic yeah the only way to get rid of the family was to get rid of him too (laughs) so off they went Bye-bye. Oh well, it's, it's you know packaging yeah. too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so that was hubby number four. Yes, I've been married five times. Good. Good yeah. You. Well, you know that doesn't, doesn't work the first time. Don't. It it work. And and uh, my his 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 parents were very proud of the fact that they'd been married fifty years, but they fought like cats and dogs to the point where if the family was in the room with them, the kids, grown children, you know, and it would be embarrassing, and you wouldn't know where to look. And I'm thinking they're so proud of being married fifty years, but they're not happy together, and they don't get along. So I didn't see how that was. Uh, how that was an accomplishment, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, that and that's make the sense. thing. That's the thing. It's um, there's just married to be married. That's yeah, our- they're, they're of another generation. Probably they're in the world. You're married, and you're married till the end, no matter how miserable you are. Yeah. <laughs> so the whole idea is just to stay married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No. Um. I could honestly say that I have two ex-husbands, so that's, um, and, and yeah, it's okay. Um, <laughs> so now after you wrote that book, what was, mm-hmm. what, what got you to do other things? Um, I have always enjoyed writing. When I was 12, I started journaling. I mean, I've, I've wrote and written many things mm-hmm. my whole life, That things that you write and then you pack them away in drawers or boxes. And mm-hmm. so I was always a writer. So I, I would always say after each book, well, I, I probably don't have anything more to say. That's probably my last book, but I've written 11 books now. And 
I was so surprised when one of them became a bestseller. And I saved that email from my editor. And I woke up that morning and you know what I thought? I thought it would, it would feel different to hear those words, but it was this little thin volume that I was never quite satisfied with myself. It wasn't a book I wrote that was my favorite book. It wasn't the one that I really poured my heart and soul in, but that's the one that people seem drawn to. And so that's the one that became a bestseller, but it's really, it's odd. It's kind of anticlimactic is what it is. Does that sound funny? It sounds funny, but yeah, I can I can see that. I can see you you you're really into this labor of love or you know, yeah. you pour it in, you pour it in, and then the yeah. one that you're just wrote because mm -hmm. Yeah, and you always finish some books you finish and you get them out there and it's I wish I would have done, you know, this and this different. Right. You know, I wish I would have, you know, there's just things I would have changed. So so I, I think that it was surprising to me in, in the book that it was uh, The Grey Witch's Grimoire. Right. Which, yeah. It's fake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to this day. Yeah. 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 So um, now every, when you were growing up, did your family were also uh, practicing spirituality oh or? I was raised by my grandmother. I had teenage parents. So I was basically raised by my grandmother and she was uh, she was Catholic when she felt like it. So she'd go on a whim. So I managed to get confirmation and, and I wasn't baptized till I was six or seven years old. And she was also into um, astrology. She was so big on astrology and handwriting analysis. She was just into all this different kinds of things that you wouldn't think would mold together. So I remember my Catholic back baptism, which is unusual. I had a very pink frothy party dress on and Father Bream was a very handsome priest. Uh, he looked like a movie star and he says, uh, stick out your tongue and he puts some salt in my tongue. I'm like seven years old, so I stick out my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Bend over, let me pour some water over your head. So I bent over. So I was very infatuated with him and I just enjoyed the whole experience. But I don't think it was quite the experience that most people expect to have when they're baptized. But he's so good looking. He was just, wow. Black hair. Oh, that is. Yeah. So I enjoyed my baptism immensely. I did, she did squeeze me in. Two years of parochial school, seventh and eighth grade at Holy Spirit and Holy Family. And hmm, it was interesting. It was, I just remember at Holy Family was an ancient building and we would be filing up these white marble steps and you get to this big landing and there's a life-size statue of the Virgin Mary in her beautiful blue veils. Uh -huh. And it's like, I never realized that was the goddess. That was the goddess. These yeah. nuns hold on to their goddess, like St. Bridget. Right. Uh, yeah, the, the goddess Bridget. They just hung on to that feminine aspect and those, those feminine archetypes. And it wasn't until I was in my teens after this fact that I realized that was the goddess. Son of a gun. Here you go. Mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> people don't realize that everything is so interconnected you know oh. if you if you really sit down and look there's god 
there's deities, there's this, and they all have maybe different names, but and maybe look a little mm -hmm. different, but they're all basically mm -hmm. the same. Everything, everything yeah. is connected. I had a lady say to me one time, we were talking about tarot. She didn't approve of tarot. She says, well, tarot is rather dark, isn't it? I just think it's rather dark. I would just rather go with astrology. Well, the tarot cards and astrology, everything, they all go together. Numerology, astrology, yeah. the tarot, everything goes together. But she wasn't aware of that. She didn't see that. So... I just found that very strange. And I find very strange when someone who says, say, for example, they're they're Christian, and, and I'm just using this in a broader statement. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to they hate me. But they say, Oh, um, why do you believe in that? Or why do you practice that when they're there with their friends? having a, a around the, the you know the coffee table around the, the dining room table oh i think she's going to have a baby girl because her stomach is this way or she's feeling this or she's feeling that and i'm like you guys are trying trying to predict hello <laughs> do you remember i remember being in grade school and the thing was that a woman would take her wedding ring on a chain over her stomach like a pendulum it was a yeah. And so whichever way it went would tell you. And I thought, oh, that was like our first pendulums. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, you know, why were you doing that then? Or they would uh, have her go through an egg, you know, roll the egg around the thing and then open it up. If it, if the egg white and the and the uh, yellow got together, then it would be a boy, for example, or they got separated, whatever it was. And I'm looking at, I was always looking at that. I'm like, do you guys understand? All this is the same thing. You're just using different tools. Mm -hmm. And you're judging others for using different tools that you're doing the same thing. Yeah. Isn't that funny? It's so true. Yeah. It's so true. It's so funny. Yes, it is. So, um, so okay. What then? What other books have you read? Um, have I written? Well, what that you felt. Oh, that I found one of the the set of books that I really loved in the beginning was Anne Moore's Green Witchcraft. Mm -hmm. I thought those were, and her she has a seemed like she had a background in Catholicism to me and she would use uh, um, Mary and Christ as a god and goddess figure and she would kind of do her own thing. I thought that was a very easing into the idea of paganism and different deities. And so her, her books on green witchcraft were a biggie. I have all of them. I have probably a couple hundred books approved <laughs> now, not counting my own pitiful little pile. So <laughs> a lot of books. I, I love Scott Cunningham. Mm -hmm. And I know people are really mean about Silver Ravenwolf. I liked her books. I didn't have a problem with her books. I passed my books out. I passed her books out to my kids. I didn't. Um, I didn't have a problem with Silver. Yeah, I thought she was okay. Uh, yeah, you know. she was fine. I don't know why people. Um, I don't know. I guess. I guess they were people get very opinionated, or they have they they view things a certain way and. And um, if other if other people don't live up to the expectations of how they view things, maybe that bothers them. I don't know. Yeah, but well, I had a problem with her. I love all those those old people. 
the yeah. old ones. Susanna Budapest, I've spoken to her. Oh my God, she's a character. It was years ago I spoke to her. And she's just, uh, she is like unfiltered. What comes up here, comes out there. <laughs> it's just totally unfiltered. But that's what makes her so fun. And I, I was fascinated with her story, how uh, she was doing tarot ratings in California in the 70s. And, and I, I love this story when the police were coming to arrest her because at that time that was illegal. Mm-hmm. And she told him, the first man who touches me, I'm going to put a curse on them. And she laughed when she was telling me this because she went through the whole arrest process and the fingerprinting. No one touched her. No one touched her. And they were scared, weren't they? They believed her. And anyway, it was her going into court and this all coming about that changed the laws out there. And so people could, you know, and I'm so glad telling someone it's illegal to do divination or any kind of divination or read tarot cards. It would be like telling someone it's illegal for them to believe in their prayers or to pray the rosary. You know, well, it's all a spiritual thing. And we don't have uh-huh. proof for any of it. Really? I mean, who's right? Who's wrong? No, we, we don't, don't have any proof. We don't know. It's a choice. It's a faith. It's your right and your privilege to believe in mm-hmm. what feels right for you. Right. Correct. Here yeah. in Pennsylvania, if you do have any divination work, you're supposed to, and you advertise it, you're supposed to do it for entertainment only. Otherwise, they can, you're, you're in big trouble. And I'm really? like, I'm like, okay, it's, an, it's a law still in the books. And oh my God. unfortunately, in some smaller towns, you know, it gets used a lot. And it's, it's kind of like, ah, okay, this is 2023. And oh we still God. have the witch hunts. <laughs> yeah, isn't that, that is so unusual. That's scary, actually. Yeah, yeah it is. It is something but... innocent to me as using your tarot cards. And, it's um, just energy. It's, mm-hmm. you know, like people say, oh, you can't believe in your dreams. And I said, you read the Bible, right? You're Christian, yeah. And what did... Uh, wasn't there a dream reader who predicted things and saved the Jewish community from starvation? And, you know, and in Egypt, he told the king to make sure he stockpiled all the food and the grains. Huh. Isn't that what you guys are telling everybody not to do? Yeah. It's still in the Bible. It has That book has not been taken out. Because, you know, the Bible was manipulated. I, I mm-hmm. Great stories, but mm-hmm. there's a lot that got taken out because yep. they wanted to control the masses. So, yep. hmm. um, so now you homeschooled how many kids? I homeschooled six of my seven children. Two of my homeschool children finished high school before 18, and and a couple of them had already started college courses. So, and then, 
you know, some have and some haven't, some finished, you know, normal time. Yeah. Everybody was different. Everybody was unique. And I always, I always focused on their interests. Like at first, when I, when you first start homeschooling, you think you have to make it a caricature of how school is. You have to set them all up and you have to, you know, no, you don't have to follow that same regimen. As a matter of fact, the whole idea for homeschooling is to is to broaden the spectrum and make it more interesting and 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 allow them to learn in in, in their own way. So one of the things I did is I just disregarded. Remember those those grade school readers that come with the little workbooks and those god awful boring stories in there. Oh my god, I don't know. I don't know who wrote them, but they were like horrific. So toss those out. And so I would use the first and second grade curriculum that would teach them to read, but then find your own books. So I had one of my daughters, my Sarah, I would, I would uh, just, you read whatever you want to read. And by the time she was eight or nine years old, she loved Stephen King. And somebody said, well, are you sure that she's really reading that and knows it? And I says, oh yeah she is and I'm taking the laundry downstairs through the downstairs family room and she's sitting down there in the book reading and she's laughing <laughs> she's just getting into her story all in her own little world so she was reading Stephen King eight nine ten years old that was her favorite author so you just have to let him go my son was into dinosaurs he was so into dinosaurs and uh, so you want to read go get books on dinosaurs those are your reading books so he did and when he was 12 years old, we visited, my parents were living out in Colorado at the time, we, we visited the Denver Museum of Natural History. Sure. And my son had a chance to talk to one of the, one of the employees in there, one of the, I don't know what their title is, you know, he was in charge of that area where the uh, dinosaurs and all that kind of thing were archaeological things. And he talked to my son for a long time and he came back to me and he says, you know, um, he, if, if you would be interested, if he could stay with his grandparents, we have a summer program for kids like this. And I thought, isn't that cool? That so. is wonderful. That is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And the experience was much deeper than mm -hmm. oh, did at yeah. school for like two weeks about that. Mm -hmm. and yeah. That, yeah. So. I hated school. When I was in school, I absolutely hated school. I love reading. I love writing. I love learning. Also, I've never understood how come kids are supposed to be perfect in all subjects. You're supposed to get all A's in all things. Brains don't work that way. Some people have an artistic creative brain. Some people have a math and science brain. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite uh, uh, biographies I read was one of Charles Lindbergh and the Spirit of St. Louis and how him and his wife would travel around the world and they're the ones who set up all these locations and routes for future uh, airways and airports and she was um she spoke like five or six languages and she was she was like a new york times best-selling writer but she couldn't do math and charles Lindbergh, her husband was a mathematician and a scientist he couldn't learn foreign languages she was his she was his like like helpmate in that area she would translate for him so the brain does not work that way. How can you expect one child to be perfect in eight or nine subjects? That's just crazy. Mm -hmm. It's funny, we didn't go insane. I don't know how we survived. <laughs> I know, I know. And 
the amount of homework and all that it's like mm -hmm. yeah that's like that's like someone working in an office from nine to five well here here's another four hours of work take it home with you how many uh -huh. adults can put up with that no, no, absolutely not. And mm -hmm. and the thing is, it's like you're not really helping the child because the child, by the time that that child starts that homework and revisits all those subjects again, they're not learning. Mm -hmm. they're, it's not mm -hmm. making any sense. They're just doing it to do it, to get it over and done with. And they're exhausted is what the child is. They're exhausted and mentally exhausted. It takes mm -hmm. a lot of playtime and socialization mm -hmm. time away mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now um you have always been spiritual or i know that your grandmother took you through mm -hmm. catholic school and all that but I've when been... i'm sorry I, go ahead i guess i wanted to ask when did you finally decided to be witchy or spiritual or oh I always was a bit that way, but I didn't know that there was like a term for it. I didn't know what it was. I just knew how I was. Because I remember being five years old and my grandmother and I lived by ourselves at that time up on this old Victorian house in the country with this hillside behind it. Behind it and it was terraced with trees. Uh -huh. And one day I was squatting up there and I was... Um, pulling leaves off this little, little round leaves off this thing into my hand. And I was saving them. And at the, at the other end of the hill, I could hear the wind start through the trees way on the other end. I could hear it coming closer, closer, closer. And it sounded like it was talking, like it was voices and I'm holding my leaves. And then I look to the right and I'm very close to the end on this end where there's a fence and there was a large white cow out there and she was in the bright sunshine that I'm like in the shaded wooded area. Mm -hmm. And that has just always stuck to me. And I don't know why, but I think there is spiritual significance to that. And, and um, uh, it's like, that's probably when I first knew that there's something else besides us but i'm too little to like even put it into words and or configure right. it in my mind but i just knew there's like there's something else there like whatever was talking in the trees the voice in the trees and the wind it, it had meaning to it so when i when i really first got down to it i've told this story so many times people are going to be so bored I cast my first spell when I was 17 in the basement of my grandma's house. Mm -hmm. I had this boyfriend that was like really shitty. So, and here we go. I just wanted to make him go away. So I had a photograph of him. Or no, there's no books, no Google. There's no internet. I'm just like winging everything. And I thought, mm, red pen, red a candle and matches and so I went down and I'm like I'm like cussing cussing him out and I draw a big red line through the middle of his abdomen and I burn the picture about two days later his mother calls and he had been rushed to the hospital for a bleeding ulcer that they didn't know he had and I'm like oh my god oh my god because I didn't mean to hurt him I didn't want to hurt anybody right. so whether anyone believes that it was this little 17 year old girl who caused that or whether that was a physical ailment that was already there 
-hmm. The fact is that it scared me. So I was very careful after that. And it was a long time before I actually did anything. I had to, I had to learn more. So it was very scary, but also it proved to me that it's also very powerful and it's very real. And you want to be careful what you do because it's actual energy and there are consequences for how you use it. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. That is a very good point. You know, a lot of people, they they go to to parties and they get togethers and they, they use the Ouija boards and they use this and they use that, but they don't really follow up, closing it properly, doing this, <laughs> cleansing it, making sure that nothing is coming, else is coming through that you don't want. Mm -hmm. And it, because that, those are just, stop i mean you know i could open a portal with this if i wanted to but mm -hmm. the idea is to know what to do to be responsible for your actions mm -hmm. because intention thought your words that all are it's very powerful <laughs> yes it is yeah. words are very you know my grandmother knew that words were very powerful when i was a kid and she would always tell me don't wish anything bad on someone because whatever you wish on someone is going to come back on you. Mm -hmm. And that was my grandmother in the 1960s. She knew that. She knew that. That's like one of the wisest things that anyone's ever said to me, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she knew it. And, you know, she may not be, have been able to label herself like people label themselves nowadays, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. she sounds like she was really a spiritual person not mm -hmm. a religious person she still no. went to church or whatever she did her thing but she was looking for that connection to the other side to the divine to that higher spirit whether mm -hmm. it was a god or a goddess or a combination mm -hmm. or whatever it was by going to different um, churches or belief centers mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And not being afraid, just skip around, you know, we go to church for three months and then yeah, she found something else that was more interesting that she would look into or she would read on or she would, you know, be interested in. And so she wasn't afraid to hop around and to explore. And I'm, I'm so afraid with how, how boxed in and contained people are getting now, how, how afraid they are to to step across a border, you know, spiritually or mentally, and that they, they won't explore things because I love Kuan Yin. And I had someone tell me that I didn't have any right to have an altar up in my house to Kuan Yin if I hadn't asked permission. And I said, whose permission am I supposed to ask the Chinese government? Because I think I think they're atheists. I don't think they care if I have Kuan Yin. And, you know, and are there spiritual police going to break down my door and take away my altar for Kuan Yin? I like Kuan Yin. I get a lot of oh, she's, comfort in her energy. And, hey. I, I use her energy in uh, Karuna Key. So for, for Reiki. It's amazing. It's, it's yeah. beautiful. beautiful. So, yeah, that's that's one of the points that is um, very interesting, and I'm glad that you brought it up, is that so many people are boxing themselves in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this generation says, or generations now that are alive are talking about, oh, the old generations, they didn't know anything. They knew a lot. Yes, they did. Yeah, they did. There's a lot of wisdom in the old generations. 
and and they were more open to explore. They realized that some of the boundaries and the cultural constrictions we have now, those are man-made. Um, because I've had I've had people too who would come and, and they would set an altar up and then they would go do some reading. Oh my God, I sat a I sat a Celtic god up with a Greek goddess and I've made them angry and I give them the wrong fr fruits or I did this or that. I can't hear you right now. Okay. Yeah, that that thing about them putting different deities with different yes, putting different deities, a Celtic deity too close to a Greek deity on their altar, and they gave them the wrong fruits or wine, and they they did something wrong, and that's bullshit. It is bullshit. The, the gods and goddesses and the entities and deities are an ethereal realm. They're, they're beyond our physical world. Mm -hmm. And they're a mental, spiritual conception. And I'm sure that, that those gods and goddesses look down on human beings and smile. And they understand our intentions. Right. If, if you didn't set an altar up exactly how you think it should be, because someone told you <laughs> how it should be, I'm sure that your your mentality, your spiritual, uh, your spirituality is going to be understood by the entity and the deity that you're trying to connect with, because it is an energy, it is all just an energy, and your energy can connect with that energy much more easily than we think. We put so right. much effort and work into it. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's a magnificent point, magnificent point. So we're about um, around five minutes away. Anything specific that you want to tell us or the audience and that you haven't touched on yet? Um, one of my newest books is called The Divine Me, Embracing Your Inner Goddess. It's a book that I would highly recommend for especially women. I'm, I'm a woman. That's just that's just the perspective that I write from because that's the perspective that I know. And within this realm, there are two sections. There's a section on the goddess and there's sections called facing the mirror mm -hmm. and how you, you connect with the goddess and things you do in your own life to put you on, on the path and the level that, that allows you to do this and, and lets you learn about yourself and grow and develop. And there's very personal, very, very personal sections in there of, of my own on the facing the mirror sections. But there's also just um, a whole, whole menagerie, we call it, of goddesses in there and um, to be used, their energy to be used for all sorts of purposes. And, and it's, it's a book to kind of get acquainted with them and then leap off of that on your own and explore. So the divine me embracing your inner goddess, um, if they would like to find that at Amazon, okay. check it out and see if you find I will it. Have, I will definitely have the link in, in the uh, description so they could all Go check it out. We read more about you and uh, get to know you even better. Thank you so much for doing this. It's been a pleasure finally basically talking face-to-face -face sort of. 
<laughs> well, this has been so fun. This is this is I've really enjoyed visiting with you. This is more uh, like girl chat than anything. Yes, else. it is. That's that's the idea. So I do want you to come back and I, you know, whenever you have anything else that you want to speak about and that you feel that, you know. Sometimes, you know, we, we get information, we get some channeling or whatever, and then we hear that little voice, spread it out. Well, <laughs> I could be I could be your amplifier here, so. Mm -hmm. Okay, I will do that. So thank you very much. Love and thank you, you for always. Okay. Thank you to our audience. And as always, many blessings and love you. Bye. Bye.